0: Coming on this episode, we're writing our own adventure as we start a story with two women with a broken-down car and then, well, I couldn't spoil it for you. You're going to have to listen because it starts right now.
1: And another thing I've been wondering
0: This is Up For Debate, episode number 208, recorded June 3rd, 2021. Choose your own adventure, too. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up For Debate. I am Sean Jennings, joined as always by the man who writes the songs that makes the whole world sing. It is Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. That
1: was a really nice intro, Sean. Very, uh, that was very, very, made me feel good. Made me feel very good.
0: Well, Matt, we have the next hour to totally crush your creative spirit. Don't worry. Yes, that uh, that will not be that will not be hard to do. Trust me. But
1: looking forward to it
0: anyway. Yeah, we got a real fun one here. You know, folks may remember. Um, obviously, everyone's listened to every episode of the show, so I shouldn't have to tell you. But just in case you forgot, um, we famously quite a while back. I'm trying to track down when exactly we did it. Uh, but we did one of our famous Creative Challenge episodes where we created our own story, uh, and it was a choose-your-own-adventure was sort of the, uh, the concept of that, uh, Matt. And if you don't remember, we sort of started with a generic prompt, and then you and I would each take turns sort of narrating a, a paragraph or a section of the story, but then we would leave it at, with, three, with three choices— for the next person to pick one and then continue the story. Does that make sense?
1: That definitely makes sense. Yeah, it's all coming back to me. It's all yes. coming back to me. Um, I remember many... We had some of our most iconic moments doing uh, Creative Challenger. You remember the Ottoman Full of Blood?
0: Uh, that was the very first time we wrote a story. That was a, a disaster. Um I do, uh, yeah, no, our creative challenges, I would argue, have failed more than they've succeeded, so tonight is uh, hopefully going to be an exception, not a rule. Do you remember the infamous board game episode, Sean? I do remember Create Your Own Board Game. (laughs) I remember Create Your Own Restaurant. Um, How? I, I don't remember, so... So what? Oh, you don't remember the restaurant you pitched, where all the food was like cooked and served by a robot, but every oh. so often randomly the robot would come to life and start killing people, and you'd have to escape. What was the name of
1: that restaurant?
0: I do not remember. I mm. just remember the. I, I told someone the story the other day. For some reason, I was like, "Yeah, Matt came up with this idea." Yes. Um. Yeah, or the uh, obviously, I think our most successful ever was coming up with our baseball team. Yes, our minor league baseball team. Our Tacoma t- the We wrote commercials. We wrote commercials. Mm-hmm. That was successful. Um, so it's it's been a mixed bag, but I think this concept worked well last time. We're going to give it another shot, take turns telling a story, and by the time the next hour is done, who knows where we'll have ended up. Now, Matt, we've got to start with a prompt. we got to start mm-hmm. somewhere. Now, last time I kicked us off, I can do that again, or if you would like to, to set up the initial part of the story, you're welcome to. Um, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit.
1: No, that's okay.
0: I'm,
1: I'm ready to do it. I'll do okay. it. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, then, Matt, officially uh, kick off story time on Up for Debate. Okay. So, let's
1: see. It's raining outside currently. This isn't part of the story. It's raining outside <laughs> where I'm, sorry, I'm here. So it's giving me some inspiration to make like a... I know. Okay. So. Um, are you the main character or, or do we have like people, like main characters? I forgot how that went. No,
0: we're, we're, we're just, you and I are narrating as like third party okay. omnipotent narrators. So there's characters, you have to create characters within the story.
1: All right so it was a dark and stormy night um the the young couple are are driving in their car and they um realize it is starting to rain so of course they pull the top up on their um classic 1970s convertible um and uh they drive on down the road, continuing down the road. Um, and all of a sudden they get a flat tire. They boom, they hit something and they go, oh, what was that? I don't know, but we got to pull over because the car's not moving all of a sudden. So they get out and they check the uh, front tire. Nothing's there. They check the other tire and the back and sure enough there's a big hole in it and oh no. Since this is the 1970s, says the, the um, lady in the front seat, uh, there's no way that we can contact anybody uh, and tell them you know, where we are and, and that we need help. So um, I think the only thing left to do is ask around. Well, I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. I guess we could try that big scary house on the, uh, on, on the, on the hill that's overlooking the road. And, then, and sure enough, they look over there. There's a big mansion. And uh, there's, there's lightning in the background. Very dramatic scene. Um, so they, uh, you know, the, 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 they, they both say, like, well, I'll go, and you wait with the car. And, like, no, you can't leave me here. I'm gonna, We'll go together. So they walk up through the path, and they knock on the door of the big, creepy mansion.
0: Uh, and sure enough, Who's on the other side, Sean? Well, that so now you give me three choices. Okay. Right. Is it a... Okay.
1: On the other side, is it a large, grotesque figure, mostly shrouded in shadow, is it a um, short hunched over, um, assistant with a wild look in his eyes, or there's no answer at all.
0: After knocking on the door, the door creaks open very slowly, and though most of the house inside is dark, what they see in front of them directly is a small, hunched over, assistant-type person, uh, who is standing there at the door. Our couple, uh, their names, uh, it's the 70s, uh, Evelyn and uh, Carol, two women uh, who aren't legally married, because that's not a thing you can do, but they are a couple, um, stand there confused at this uh, uh, feeble gentleman. He's not old. He's just tired and hunched over. Um carol turns and and says to the man uh, excuse me do you uh, do you happen to have a phone we have a flat the man just looks at them stares for just a moment too long then without saying a word turns and walks into the house carol and evelyn uh take that as a sign that they should enter the property they walk inside the door what do they see matt is it a uh, a, a dusty mansion with all of the furniture covered in, in drop cloths, a place that looks like it hasn't been lived in in a long time. Do they see B, a whooping hopping party uh, with everyone dressed to the nines having a groovy time in the 1970s? Or is it C, it's so pitch black they don't see anything?
1: Carol and Evelyn enter the house, um, the large room, and are amazed to find the biggest, hoppingest party that uh, the 70s has ever seen. Uh, They were so excited, they forget all about their car troubles for the moment, and just decide to get in the groove, you know. Um, And uh, lo and behold, they see a a massive crystal disco ball in the center of the room. Carol turns to Evelyn, and being the more adventurous one in the couple, uh, she says, "All right, come on, let's cut loose. Who cares about that crummy old car, Daddy-O? Let's get on the dance floor and uh, really turn that this notch up." Evelyn, of course, the 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 uh, ever-present prude of the relationship, says, "Gee, I don't know. Um, wouldn't it be better to just like, I don't know." You know, ask somebody about our car. Like that old assistant guy. He looked a little weird, but like maybe, um, maybe he he might he might uh, have a phone we could use or something. And then Carol's, but you know, lo and behold, she's she's actually talking to no one because Carol is already on the floor shaking her groove thing and getting just got, cutting loose with all the people around. Um, three count them three different um, people approach her simultaneously she knows that she can only talk to one of them before um, you know the party kind of sweeps her away does she talk to the waiter bringing around hors d'oeuvres does she talk to who, who is um, he looks he looks a little a little suspicious like he's got a secret that he's not telling uh, does she talk to the um young uh, lady who is dressed like a- an egyptian pharaohess, or does she talk to the um insurance salesman who is also at the party
0: uh matt i am gonna make a choice but I- i'm gonna skew the format a little bit i want you to play evelyn in the following conversation okay excuse me Would you like a bacon-wrapped scallop?
1: Um, you know, I really... Wait, is Evelyn the- did I say Evelyn was the prude, or is
0: Caroline? No, you said Evelyn was the prude. Evelyn's-
1: okay. Well, I don't know, you know, scallops kind of upset my stomach, and, uh, you know, I think I should probably pass, but thank you anyway.
0: They were freshly pulled out of the water this morning.
1: Oh, did you say bacon-wrapped? Um, on second thought, I'm a, ve- I'm a vegetarian. I don't really, t- I don't really mess with that stuff.
0: Oh, would you like me to talk to the chef for you?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's always probably a good idea. So, you know, I- you don't have to talk to him if you have like, you know, other more like vegan friendly options out here, but you know, there are some party guests who don't partake in meat and I think it's always important to be aware of that.
0: Why don't you join me in the back and meet the chef? Now, um, uh, Evelyn at this point, obviously uh, flanked, does she turn and talk to the woman dressed in Egyptian garb? Does she turn and talk to the insurance salesman? Or does she join the waiter to meet the chef?
1: Yeah, I guess there's no harm in meeting the chef. That sounds kind of cool. Um, yeah, so Evelyn says, Yeah. I guess we can talk to the chef. Sure. You know, it's always important to make people aware uh, of, of, um, you know, vegan friendly options. I've got a few recipes if you'd like me to share them.
0: Come join me in the kitchen.
1: Okay, so Evelyn follows him to the kitchen and um, on the way, she notices that many of the party guests are wearing masks. And she's not sure why. Um, she kind of feels like she should ask about this, so she asks the uh, the man leading her, "What? What's with these masks? Like, why? Why is everybody wearing a mask in here?"
0: Oh, you see, we have certain secrets we don't want to share.
1: Well. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Sure, it doesn't really answer why they're why everyone's wearing masks, but
0: uh... I, I don't think I could have possibly been more clear.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, could I get a mask? Is there any chance I could wear one too? Just you know, like I, I like to fit in where, I, where well, I go places.
0: do you have any secrets?
1: Uh, I have. I have. Uh, how much time have you got? I've got tons of secrets, says Evelyn. Uh,
0: well. I don't have that much time, you see. I have to serve hors d'oeuvres and cocktails to the party, but I suppose I could take a few minutes to hear your secrets. Well,
1: I guess I guess there is one secret. She she looks around just to make sure nobody is is, is listening, and she pulls out from her pocket the biggest, shiniest looking engagement ring. And she says, well, Caroline and I were going on a a beautiful weekend together. And we got kind of sidetracked um, with the flat tire and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm probably going to ask her, you know, to, 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 you know, be my life partner on this, on this journey.
0: Well, isn't that, I mean, the teachings of God say that's a sin, but I suppose we all have our secrets here. Take a mask. You deserve it. Oh, um you know, I, I
1: find your ideology a little problematic, but I'll take your mask and wear it anyway, just because, you know, I I like to um I like to, to, to blend in wherever I go. It just seems culturally appropriate, you know. But I think I, I'd like in the future if you know I don't think we see eye to eye, so perhaps um perhaps you keep your opinions to yourself and I'll keep them to myself
0: were weren't we going to meet the chef?
1: yeah I, I guess we can meet this chef, but I mean if you know if he if he's as close-minded and and judgmental as you, I don't know if I want to meet him
0: I, I'm not paid enough to deal with this. <laughs> please go see the chef. <laughs> All right, so
1: um, the uh, hors d'oeuvre waiter points to, I was going to call him the art hors d'oeuvre man, but that doesn't make sense. The, the waiter points to the um, very back of the hall, and uh, it is a kind of mostly closed off. You wouldn't know it unless it was clearly pointed out, but there is one small wooden door that um, goes back to, it looks like it goes beyond the, uh, the large oak wall. And so she walks up to it. Does she knock on the door? Does she open the door and try the knob opening the door? Or does she wait until somebody else enters and then follow them in?
0: Um, hmm. Evelyn walks over uh, after a very strange confrontation with the waiter <laughs> and decides uh, she's a bit of a prude. She's going to knock on the door. Be, do the polite thing first. So she knocks on the door. All right. She she hears from the other side, and a knife tip pops out from the other side of the door. Clearly, the chef is maybe not interested. Evelyn... Uh, kind of leans up to the door. May I come in? And the chef goes, For some insane reason, Evelyn takes that as a reason to open the door. (laughs) She opens the door and peeks in. Inside she finds a rather nice kitchen. Spacious, palatial, plenty of room for making all sorts of good treats for the party guests. Behind uh, the counter she finds... The largest man she's ever seen. This man must weigh 400 pounds, is six feet tall. He's utterly enormous, but he's working on these very fine pieces of cooking with his very large hands. He's chopping something up. She only sees the back of him, but he turns around and says, I am the chef. Matt, what does he say next? Does he say, A... And who are you in my kitchen? Or does he say, And are you here to pick up more hors d'oeuvres? Or does he say, Evelyn, I'm actually your father. Whoa.
1: <laughs> Dad, Evelyn said? No, no, no. Um, You're welcome are you here to pick it? up more hors d'oeuvres, says the big fat chef. Evelyn says, Well, uh, am I? am I what? But before she could respond, a tray is thrust into her hand, and uh, the chef begins filling it with the fine foods that he's cooking up. All kinds of, really, those uh, delicious little mini hot dogs, uh, wrapped pigs in a blanket um, fill her, pl- her tray. Eve- um, Evelyn is utterly disgusted by this, of course, being a, 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 a very open and announced vegetarian um, slash vegan, because I think she's both in the, in the context, um, and she says, uh, well actually, but before she could finish her sentence, she's pushed out the door, um, with the, the mask on, she looks just like any of one of the other waiters or waitresses in the scene. Um, well, that was certainly odd, but I guess I, I won't be allowed back in there to see the chef again until I serve all of these hors d'oeuvres, so... Let me go back out there, and you know I'll, I'll help out. I'm a, I'm a I'm a helper. I try to help people when I can. And you know, I I, I ever since I ditched that community service job back at the um, academy, I felt like I really had this whole miss like in my heart missing for like for like serving others. So I'm gonna go and serve these um, cocktail weenies, uh, even though I find them repulsive. But you know, it's not for me to to condemn others. So she starts like serving the cocktail um, uh, weenies out to the various people. Does she first go to the uh, young lady in the Cleopatra outfit? Does she serve the cocktails to the insurance salesman? Or does she serve... Does she go over to um, where
0: she thought Caroline was standing? As Evelyn leaves the kitchen... The original waiter, whose name is Gareth, uh, whispers under his breath, One of us. One of us. And as Evelyn leaves the kitchen, as you mentioned, uh, looking like any other waiter at the party, her mind starts to fog up a little bit. She starts to remember things that aren't actually her memories. Sure, she remembers meeting Carol at the Academy, falling in love, kindling a romance, buying that 1970s convertible, which, because it's the 1970s, is not a classic car. Uh, But she also starts to remember other things, like this strange, spooky house. The hunchback assistant, whose name is... Paul. She remembers when it wasn't a strange, spooky house. She remembers the before times... Suddenly, it becomes a little bit harder to start to remember Carol. She starts to forget certain things. At this point, Evelyn is suddenly snapped out of it. When the insurance salesman begins yelling at her, My pigs in a blanket are not hot enough! They need to be hotter! So, she snaps into it and says, Wait, w- w- what? what is going... How am I remembering these? Th- I've got to find Carol. So she runs over to try and find Carol. But when she reaches the middle of the dance floor with a tray now absent of any pigs in a blanket, Carol is not there. Matt, where is Carol? Is she... Upstairs? Is she passed out on the floor? Or is she back out in the car?
1: Evelyn looks around frantically. Where could Carol have gone? She was just here. Before I wandered off with that uh, extremely judgmental waiter, um, I I figured that, you know, she would just be here chatting it up with one of these eccentric party guests. But uh, maybe, maybe she went to the powder room. Maybe she went to, you know, uh, go and... Uh, uh, use use the bathroom or something. You know, we had been in the car for a very long time, and it was raining and everything. We never really stopped. Come to think of it, come to think of it, how how long were we in that car? Where where were, where were we going? Why were we in the car to begin with? I need to find Carol. That's all. I'll, I'll sort all the rest of this out later. Um, I, I, I she goes over to the um. She, she turns to the the extremely aggravated insurance salesman and says, "I'm really sorry to do this, but I where where is the where is the bathroom? Where is the powder room? I have to just collect myself a moment, and I'll I'll come right back to the party." Why? Why? It's upstairs," says the um, uh, the the insurance salesman. Uh, but of course, you knew that, didn't you? He, she doesn't know what he, what he meant by this last comment, but she thanks him in a hurry and goes upstairs. Um, there's only, as it turns out, the powder room is easy enough to find, because there is a big sl- embroidered sign that says powder room right on the door. Um, she thought that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty neat of them, to la- to label it very uh, clearly. So she opens the, she, she goes to open the door, she finds out that it's stuck, and it won't open from the other end. She thinks, like, what, this is, she knocks frantically, Carol, Carol, are you in there? But a voice here, a voice responds, and is not Carol. Is it a gruff, lowly uh, voice of a, of a probably a 50 to 60 something year old man? Is it a, a light, airy, almost flute-like voice? That perhaps uh, permeates from a small child or, or some kind of elf? Or is it only beeps and bloops that would come from a machine?
0: Evelyn frantically knocks on the door. Carol, are you in there? Oh my god, what is that? Says, says Evelyn. She's shocked. She doesn't know what these sounds are, because robots aren't that common in the 1970s. She said, there's some sort of mechanical sound. I've got to get in there. But she tries the knob again. It's clearly locked. I've got to find some way in. So she looks around the rest of the upstairs. It's a hallway with several doors. She walks down the hall um, and sees three doors in front of her. One of the doors says, secret laboratory, do not enter. The next door says, "Nursery." And the third door says, "Well, you can't read what it said because it was aggressively scratched out in a very uh, aggressive fashion. Matt, which door does she go in?
1: She suddenly remembers like almost like a flash, it just it bursts back into her memory. Um, like a like a like a bull raging through a storm and she says oh that's right I studied science at the Academy I'm a scientist <laughs> I know my way around a laboratory maybe I can concoct something that will let me into that room making all those strange robot noises so she heads for the lab oh flinging the door open uh, she is surprised because when she goes to grab one of the beakers from the table, her hand goes right through it. Almost like it is a ghost or phantom of some kind. She goes to grab the beaker again, and sure enough, it, it's like almost like a hologram, which she wouldn't know what that was. It being the 1970s, she would have a very vague knowledge of <laughs> such a thing. Maybe from all the Star Trek she watched as a kid. Um, this, this is pretty, pretty trippy, she says. What a, what a what a gassy looking lab, and I don't know what to do. I, th- I can't seem to grab any of the uh, objects in this lab. My, my head is getting kind of light now that I think about it, and, and you know, she's never able to finish that thought to herself because her eyes grow extremely heavy and she falls to the floor. Minutes, hours, days, who knows, pass before she opens her eyes again. she sees a bright light and three figures standing over her. She doesn't recognize two of them, but one appears, at least at first, to vaguely resemble Caroline. Standing next to her is either the weird assistant-looking guy that, she, that answered the door for her, hunched over, uh, or the insurance salesman that she met at the party, who was very rude about the mini hot dogs, but she could understand they were a little lukewarm after all. Um, or is it the extremely judgmental waiter?
0: So there's four people. And Caroline no it's either well she
1: can't make out the third the third is shady one is maybe Caroline one is still she does, still doesn't see and one is any of these three people <laughs> they all kind of look the same she got you know she's very
0: drowsy wow so Evelyn oh. A heavy eyes slowly begin to open, and she's just blinded by the brightest of lights. And she hears these... these noises flying by her head. Ah, oh, slowly her eyes clear. Oh, she's under a street light On the highway! Oh, it's blinding. Her eyes slowly come to. Standing there is a vague man she can't make out who just walks away. He's not part of the story. Then she sees Caroline and one of the other three characters. Let's say it's the insurance salesman. She knows who Caroline is, so she turns to the insurance salesman. From the ground, the insurance has sort of standing over her. From the ground, she reaches up, grabs him by the lapels. Why are you doing this to me? Who are you? What are you all about? The man rips himself away from her hands and nicely uh, fixes up his jacket and his hat. He says, ma'am, I'm part of a special organization that's tasked with dealing with special kinds of people. And I've got to tell you something. There's a very special person here, and her name is Caroline. (sighs) Dramatic reveal. Evelyn's confused. I mean, she went to the Academy for Science. She's the one who did the weird ghost thing. It's all very confusing. Evelyn finally starts to get up and looks around. That's really strange. None of these cars really look like the cars she's used to seeing in the 1970s. Is that because, Matt, they're A cars from the modern time, B, old Model Ts from the 1920s, or all of the cars are hovering. This... This is kind of...
1: This is kind of new to me, she says. I... I don't... I don't remember any cars in my time that looked like... quite like this. (laughs) <laughs> what, what are you talking about? The insurance salesman says, or, or the the uh, would be insurance salesman says, get yourself together where, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's these cars. This is how they've always looked. Uh, boy, no, no, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. There are so many of these cars. What? What, what year are we in? Why this is 2007? man. were 2007? Wow. It was just, it was just, it was just 1970. I don't know. I don't know what, what could have happened. I, I, I was in the lab and I, and I, and I dozed off and, and all of a sudden there's all these new cars are wrapped, and she starts going into like a panic and she doesn't know what to do. So Caroline is Caroline with them? Yeah. yeah Caroline leans in and just smacks her across the face. Pull yourself together. We're, we're never going to get out of this un, un, until you start listening to what Dr. Williker has to say. She says, Dr. Williker? She turns to the insur- insurance would-be insurance salesman. But, but Dr. Williker's Dead. He he was dead in 1970. In fact, he should be dead now in 2007. She uh, turns over to Caroline. Th- that right. He he died in that in that on that fateful day during that experiment that we that we never talked about again. Didn't he? Didn't he? Caroline says, "Well, not exactly." Did Dr. Williker? uh, accidentally invent time travel through his experiment, leading Caroline to believe that he had died in the process. Did Dr. Williker, um, did Dr. Williker is Dr. Williker a code name that they just give to every scientist that uh, is engaged with prod, this project, the special project, or Or did Dr. Williker fake his own death for the insurance?
0: You see, Evelyn. I'm not the Dr. Williker you know. I come from a long line of Dr. Willikers. We may seem similar, but over time, Dr. Willikers have kept the human race on track. (laughs) We do the dirty deeds that must be done. We are the underbelly of society. We are the organization of Dr. Willikers. Or... Well, we're working on an acronym. We don't have one yet. If you have any ideas, we're open to them. I'm shocked we haven't come up with one, because we've been around for thousands of years. (laughs) But acronyms are hard, damn it. And so... I've brought you here through a means that will be explained later in the story. But we need you, Evelyn. We need you and your science brain. Because there is a crisis that needs to be solved here in 2007. You see, we need you to stop. Is it? A. The impending financial collapse. Uh, B. The, uh... I'm definitely not Googling things that happened in two thousand seven. <laughs> <laughs> you looked through um, it, Sean. You should know. Uh, is it... Uh, um, no, those are just birthdays. That's not helpful. Uh, what happened in 2007? Okay. Um, the Iraq War was going on. I was going to what year did the Challenger... Not the Challenger, the uh, Columbia Shuttle? Oh, I think that was... I think that was... Uh, I thought it was 2006. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm definitely
1: Googling that.
0: Um, that was... Ah, boy, I'm very bad was, at this. Uh, Maybe nothing interesting happened. Uh, okay. We need you to s- Listen to me, Evelyn! We need you to either stop the impending financial crisis, stop that crazy astronaut lady from driving across the country in a diaper. Do you remember that? Or we need you to stop Zack Snyder from making 300 that so that he never makes the DC Extended Universe.
1: Listen, Evelyn, things are, things are in motion right now that you can't possibly comprehend. Things that will have... Drastic, drastic impact on the future of this nation, the future of this world. We are here to stop a very, very significant event from ever occurring. There is, there is no way um, if we allow it to happen that uh, the repercussions are 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 almost endless. Uh, we need to get the timeline back on path. And Evelyn, and, and Evelyn says, "Oh." Oh okay, um, two thousand seven. I still can't believe we're in the future. But what what kind of things are happening that we need to stop? Is it is it an an, uh, an alien invasion? Are we are we here to stop, um, like a war of, of some sort to happen? The Soviet Union maybe maybe they they are about to nuke the capital or something. No, Evelyn, a movie is going to come out soon. Called Three
0: Hundred,
1: directed by Dan Snyder. It, Dan it's, Snyder it's owns the Washington
0: Football. team. Zach, Zach Snyder, yeah. But so we Zach should Snyder. stop him
1: too. That's all right. That's where the confusion was. He should be stopped. Yes, he should be stopped before he ever bought the team. Um, Zach Snyder, yes, is um, he he's going to make this movie, Three Hundred, uh, a, a movie. What? What are you talking about? Three Hundred. What? What is? What do we never mind that? I, I I told you I have no time to explain. We need to stop this movie from ever happening. Otherwise the, the repercussions on this world will be catastrophic. Um okay, all right, let's we we need to go. Nobody's going anywhere, says Caroline. Nobody is going anywhere. She reaches into her lab coat pocket. And pulls out a nine-millimeter pistol, or a beaker with a glowing green, greenish-blue, mostly blue liquid, or a cell phone, which I guess would be. Well, no, it's still a cell nobody's going anywhere.
0: Says Evelyn. Uh, says uh, Carol as she pulls out her Nokia razor. You see, I made you bring me here for a reason. Nobody understands the brilliance of Zack Snyder. You see, they let him make 300. But that wasn't enough. Then he made Watchmen, but that wasn't enough. Then he made Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahool. But that wasn't enough. And then he made Sucker Punch, and we all agree that one was bad. But they still allowed him to run an entire cross- platform, multi-dimensional film and television entertainment experience. Zack Snyder is a genius. You see, a genius. He knows how to make things in slow-mo and then come out of slow-mo very quickly. I will not let you stop his brilliance. That's why I'm on the phone with... Is she on the phone with the current president, George... H George W Bush she's on the phone with uh the head of Warner Brothers or is she on the phone with Pizza Hut because she's hungry <laughs> Yes, Pizza Hut. This is Carol. Like, know who that is? Yeah, I, I, we're on the side you know, of the. You know, Carol from the seventies. <laughs> we're on the. I would like uh, three large
1: stuffed crusts. Do you deliver to the uh, the estate of Zack Snyder? Perhaps that's where I'm located. Yeah, yeah, I he'll he'll he'll, he'll sure appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, can you have your delivery person meet us uh, outside? Uh, You know, Zach, when he gets in his creative moods, he doesn't want to be disturbed. So I'll bring the pizzas in myself. Okay. We'll meet by the gate. Yeah. The usual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're doing fine. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, Brian. Okay. So she hangs up. What was that about? Asks uh, Dr. Wilker. Uh, well no you know um, you know the Pizza Hut guy and I used to date so it's a long 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 story you know way back way back goes way back to high school uh very messy we don't you know we don't want to go there but um, he did he, he does let me bring my, the pizzas into Zack Snyder's estate for him so uh, I figure that might be a good way inside brilliant says dr williker We'll get inside of Zack Snyder's estate by bringing in pizzas. Come, Evelyn. Let's go. So <laughs> they take a they, taxi, uh, Uber. Well, no, it's still too early for Uber. Two thousand seven. <laughs> they, 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 they hail a cab, and the cab, uh, you know, is used to starstruck uh, people. I'm assuming they're in LA. Uh, but he, he, you know, he just assumes, oh, these are just some fans of Zack's. You know, they, they were on a camp outside of his house and, you know, have posters and stuff so all right brings him to Zack snyder's house where they wait for the pizza person the pizza hut delivery and uh, for sure enough brian from pizza hut shows up with those hey oh hey oh hey caroline uh yeah long time no see all right i got your three pizzas here uh i, I guess um you're all gonna bring them inside to mr snyder yeah okay we'll bring them inside thanks okay So they are, uh, outside the gate and they, uh, before they go in, they notice Zack Snyder's house looks a little bit like the mansion that Evelyn remembers being in, in the 1970s. Uh, but quickly her, her image fades back into the, into the modern day. And so she, uh, they, they ring the gate and the gatekeeper answers and says, what's the passcode? Uh, and Caroline goes, passcode? This is new. You, you didn't used to have a passcode. But some for some reason, Caroline knows exactly, or Evelyn, Evelyn knows exactly what the passcode is. Is it written on the underside of the pizza box? Is it one, two, three, four. Or is there actually no passcode? And and this is this is just a test.
0: Evelyn looks under the pizza box. Not really sure why. That's not a normal thing people do. But underneath it she finds a written code. She thinks to herself, Brian Done it again. Uh, and so she enters the code into the gate and expands it open. As the gate opens, the crew begins to walk in. At this point, they've beaten up Brian and have stolen his and his spare Pizza Hut driver uniform, so they look like they're Pizza Hut delivery people. Evelyn's thinking in her head, Gosh, all this seems so familiar. It's like I've been here before. But I can't have been here before. That's not possible. They walk up to the front door of Zack Snyder's estate and ring the bell. Zack Snyder's bell sounds like... Zack Snyder. That's what it says. It says, Zack Snyder. You ring the bell. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. They keep ringing the bell. D- Zack Snyder. He doesn't answer it yet. Uh, finally, Zack Snyder comes and gets it. Uh, <coughs> Evelyn, confused, because really she hasn't gotten much explanation of what's going on up to this point, says, uh, a pizza delivery for uh, uh, you? Uh, and he goes, oh, great. Oh, pizza. That's ex- I love. I get pizza all the time from Pizza Hut. This is great. Hey, watch you guys come on in? I'm working on my new movie, 300. So they enter the house and follow Zack Snyder. And as Evelyn looks around, she keeps thinking more and more, Gosh, it's like I've been here before. Zack turns to her and says, Hey, why are you wearing that Pizza Hut uniform? Are you working with these other Pizza Hut delivery people, you don't have to do it. And Evelyn says, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you shouldn't be wearing a Pizza Hut uniform. You're A. Lena Headley, star actress of the film 300. B. His live-in maid, Consuela. Or D. Zack Snyder's stalker, Cindy who Zach is actually really cool with because he's got a twisted mind. So he actually loves the fact he has a stalker and hangs out with her all the time.
1: Well, yeah, you know, I just... Zach says, I just figured, you know, since I offered you that lead role in my new movie... Uh, I figured you'd have all the money you could want. Why are you uh, delivering pizzas at Pizza Is this a prank? Am I on punk <laughs> with Ashton <laughs> Kutcher? Wasn't... A show that was very popular in 2007? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, what What are you talking about? I'm not a star of a movie. I, I, I just want to go back. She start, She like sits down on the ground and starts blubbering and crying. I just want to go back to the car. I don't understand what what is happening to me? What is going on? Um, Doctor Willicker, you know, whispers something really quickly to to Carol, and Carol says, "Hey there, I um, I don't really know what, what I don't know what to say. Why are you so upset? You know, we." Uh, We were having a great time here at at Zack Snyder's house. Frankly, you're kind of embarrassing me, right? And then she ends mid-sentence, and she turns around and punches Zack Snyder right in the face. Zack Snyder is stunned, and and he reels back. But just before he can catch himself on the table, she grabs a Pizza Hut box and smashes it over his head. Run, go, get the tape, get the tape, get the tape. So she runs in. They grab the tape. "We, We have to go... We have to go uh, get out of here. Really, we have to we have to bring this tape to the lab where we can dissect it. All right. So then they then they they run out of Zack Snyder's place after the men. Zack Snyder summons an army of robots that can that fly. His inspiration, in fact, for the uh, future upcoming Justice League film. Um, and then all of a sudden, an army of Spartans appears. And is 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 also chasing them. They. Um, run really fast and they make it all the way to the top of this big hill and it's overlooking all of Los Angeles. Um, Carol says, turns over to Evelyn and says, quick, we need to go in the time portal, in the car that is parked uh, suspiciously on the side of the road, the van, it's like a black, discreet black van, or we need to go Back to Zack Snyder's house, I, I dropped my keys. I dropped my Nokia phone and my keys when I was
0: running Damn out. it, Carol, you drop your phone all the time. We are not going back to Zack Snyder's house. I guess we can get in this suspicious black car. <laughs> Evelyn runs over, opens the doors, and goes to get in, when suddenly she's knocked out cold. Dr. Whitaker and uh, Williker and uh, Carol, standing over her unconscious body, Damn it," says Dr. Whitaker, I can't believe you brainwashed Lena Headley into thinking she was a time traveler from the 1970s in order to get us inside Zack Snyder's house. Carol says, yeah, in retrospect, we probably could have just posed as Pizza Hut delivery people. We didn't really have to do the whole Lena Headley thing, but I guess it did distract him. Dr. Whitaker says, well, now that we've got the final print of 300, what should we do with it? In our hands, we hold one of the most powerful things ever created in the history of mankind. Carol says, I think I know what we should do. Do they? Toss it into a volcano? Watch it? And then never speak of it again? Or, lock it away in that warehouse, uh, like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the Ark is, where top men are looking into it. Top men.
1: radio control to ground radio control to ground this is cr11 copter do you copy we are over the volcano we i repeat we are over the active volcano we have the footage in hand preparing to deliver the package uh you want to do the honors says dr whitaker Willicker? no you've been waiting a long time for this Responds caroline you, you you got your hands on the prize finally at last, I think I think it's only fitting that you put an end to this. All right, I uh, copy. See you in hell. This he turns to Caroline is for Sparta, and then drops it in the volcano. Uh, the film bursts into uh, flame. And then he he climbs climbing up the ladder back into the helicopter. Finally appreciating that it's all over. Uh, both Caroline and Dr. Williker take a seat in the, uh, the back of the, of the helicopter there. That was a fine display, says the driver, or pilot, of the helicopter. Um, oh, why, thank you. Yeah, yeah I had never really been this close to it, an active volcano before. Just as he says that, the helicopter lurches quickly to the right. Carolina flies out the window of the helicopter and into the active volcano. What? 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 What is this? Oh, Doctor Willicker, Doctor Willicker. We have much to discuss. And then turning around, who's piloting the helicopter? But the man who answered the door, the assistant of the, in the mansion,
0: he's piloting the
1: helicopter.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Uh, But I would like a post-credit sequence where uh, (laughs) Carolyn is, you know, falling towards her death, and she shouts back, just a couple of things. Number one, how did you know that this is Sparta Line if you never actually watched the movie? And also, you called me both Carolyn and Caroline. It's just Carol. You didn't have to. None of that's right. (laughs) Goodbye. And she explodes into Volcano. Matt, what an incredible story. What a tale we have weaved here. What an adventure.
1: <laughs> uh, you can, you can um you can definitely pick that one apart. That I a think finger, we tied sure. up
0: most of the loose ends. I will say I think we did an okay job with that.
1: Yeah, that was that's always a fun exercise to do um we survived i think that we we didn't really uh there wasn't really too many pauses or uh we we, we stayed true to the and i think our
0: next story has got to be the spin-off tale of the one. woman in the egyptian garb who i think is the one character that we introduced and like didn't have a conversation yes. with
1: now see she would have been the most interesting because the way i yeah. was i was setting her up she was gonna be actually like four thousand years old and look
0: really young because it. either a spell or a awesome. potion or something. And we never found out what the beeps mm-hmm. and the boops were behind the bathroom door. Oh, no, we didn't.
1: Uh, I think yes. it was
0: probably one of those yes. robots
1: from Zack Snyder's house. They had programmed once to steal, uh, to kidnap Evelyn. Who had been AKA brainwashed to
0: think she was in the 70s, but Lena was never... Ac- so <laughs> was I want to be clear, there was no time travel that actually occurred. Lena, he- Lena Headley thought she was in the 70s, and Carol pretended no, like not. she was in the 70s to convince her, like, she faked a no. whole romance and yeah, brainwashed time Lena time. Headley. Very twisted.
1: Yeah. All just to, yeah. That's right. That was to their in somehow gets his act Could have been solved by just
0: delivering pizzas. And what was Brian's role in the whole scheme? Yeah, Brian had a backstory. I mean, he provided that, like, the gate code to Zack Snyder's film, well, so he, he wasn't just a pizza delivery guy. He was in on something. That's oh. true. Maybe
1: he was a rival filmmaker. That was jealous
0: name, Brian. He was Brian De Palma, director of 1996's Mission Impossible. Yeah. Who was out for revenge. Oh, of
1: course, yeah. He was jealous because he wasn't invited to to film, to be on...
0: uh, Also directed the
1: uh, horror film Carrie.
0: uh, As well as many... uh, Scarface as well, he directed Scarface. Oh, okay. So Brian De Palma, famous director. um classic matt that was a treat i think we're gonna have to revisit this uh concept at some point come back write another story it was certainly more cohesive than our last For one sure. uh, great work. We'll be there hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did matt we can tease what we're doing next week on the show uh which is our the book club is back have you have you started bad blood it is
1: uh, not yet, but I will very soon. I just finished the book I was currently reading so now that, that opens this up that uh I will um i will I will give it a shot actually, the book I was reading turns out um, you would you would probably be very interested in if i had if I had started it a little earlier and had it in time, I would have probably pitched it to you. I was reading uh, oh yes it's called blood sweat yes, and yes that just
0: came out, didn't it? It's very similar yes yeah and was it good it
1: did yeah oh, okay. it's, it's brand new very good really good yeah it was It. it a lot of it reminded it, it was in the same vein i guess of uh, a lot of it very reminiscent of uh console wars but more modern like a more modern take and it's it's about it's about like different game studios and and uh like basically all of the really like stressful and uh chaotic shit they've had to do in order to um, meet deadlines. It's very, very interesting stuff. They talk about um, every chapter deals with a different game in a different studio and pretty much like how how the, the game was extremely close to never seeing the light of day if like X, Y, and Z didn't happen, that were like just not, like uh, nothing short I of miraculous I confused things. this it's, it's with cool, another book. Perfect... The
0: author of Blood, Sweat, and Pixels made, like, a semi-sequel. Did you know about this? Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, that came out in 2017. He literally Blood, sweat, just released a book in May called Press Reset, which which is basically this Oh, book. Press so Reset, I yeah, I have heard okay. of Press Reset. Yeah, I'm definitely yes. gonna add this to my list. This is great, good suggestion.
1: Actually, yeah, I he was he was pitching Press Reset in a podcast I was listening to and then I think I bought Blood Sweat and Pixels actually by mistake thinking it was that book, but it's it's a good read and I'll probably read uh Press Reset afterwards, but yeah, his writing style is very good. Um, it's uh you know, it's it's pretty I wouldn't say it's it's eye-opening cuz I mean, I'm somebody who knows that the uh mm-hmm. video game industry is a lot less glamorous than it appears to be but i guess if you're one of those people that's like well making video games is fun i i, I would i it's a dream job and i'm sure it is a dream job to many but yeah no that's it's great well, next week we'll be reading bad too.
0: blood by john Kerry Row, and um we'll also be talking about the hbo documentary so make sure you uh watch that as well um great book great story overall uh and i'm excited to talk about that next week but uh we are going to begin to wrap it up here. I will quickly tease. You know, I always tease up for debate on don't panic. I got to tease don't panic on up for debate. Colby and I did a new episode this week. Matt, we talked about. Are you ready for this? Kellogg's, the cereal people, have released a cereal robot, and it's kind of like a you know like a Coke Freestyle machine, where it's got all the different Cokes. and all. They made a cereal bot that you go to it and you can mix different types of cereals with different types of milk and different types of toppings. And you can mix and match all different kinds of stuff and you get a bowl of cereal. It is now on two college campuses. The bowls cost between 2.99 and I think 5.99, depending on what you put on it. But it's like, they've got all different dried fruits. They've got nuts. They've got several different kinds of milk. They've got all the different Kellogg cereals. Absolutely incredible. Colby and I go nuts over that.
1: That is interesting. I don't really... I'm not a huge cereal eater. Um, but that that kind of thing is really interesting. It's a it's, great gimmick. Uh, we like, talk about where, that. Many know, other things you can check it out at <laughs>
0: don'tpanic.io or look for Don't Panic wherever you get podcasts. It's a great episode. But, of course, this show is Up for Debate at UpForDebate.tv, where all of the past episodes are. Uh, you should join us every week by subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcasts with the video version on YouTube. And, of course, follow us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter or email us at UpForDebateTV at gmail.com. We have to end it here. We told a great story this week. We're going to talk about a great story next week. But until then, he is Matt. I am Sean. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time for another wonderful episode of Up for Debate. What's my-